0: You're listening to the Presence Pioneers Podcast. Uh, It's a huge honor to be able to share with you guys uh, today. I was supposed to be in Mississippi this weekend, but that event got postponed, so I'm actually home here uh, in Greenville, North Carolina uh, with my wife and four kids. Actually, my wife is out of town today as well. My kids were going to be with their their grandma, and then I was like, well, I'm going to be here, so stay here. So anyway, the kids hopefully will not bust in to the (laughs) middle of the teaching here, Um, but if they do, just give me grace. And uh, yeah, I was... uh, it's just honored to be able to share with you guys. Uh, I figured I'd give a little bit of just introduction to who I am and kind of what I've been up to and uh, and then dive into what I feel like the Lord has to uh, share with you guys today. But like I said, I'm here in North Carolina, been in North Carolina my whole life. And for about 15 or 16 years, I've been involved in some kind of full-time vocational worship and prayer ministry. Uh, started leading worship when I was Uh, quote-unquote leading worship when I was uh, like 16 or so in youth group because I was the guy that played guitar and so they said hey you're the youth you're the worship leader now Uh, even though I didn't sing and didn't know what worship was (laughs) but I was the guitar player and so I had to learn and uh, I kind of stumbled into some of what I was called to do that way and I was grateful for that and then you know tried to learn to sing which I'm still learning and tried to learn what worship really was, which I'm still learning as well, but so that's kind of how I stumbled into leading worship, and then uh, we started doing these youth worship nights here, and then one thing led to another, and um, like I said, about 15 years ago, I've been involved in um, full-time ministry, worship prayer, houses of prayer, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the house of prayer movement, but that's kind of really where my heart is, is these communities that are ministering to the Lord with worship and prayer hours and extravagant Worship and prayer. So, uh, right now I'm involved with with two other with two ministries. One is uh, our local church here, Open Door Church, where we have a prayer room, and I'm just really part time helping facilitate that. We have three three prayer meetings with live worship every week, and then I'm also involved with a movement called from <laughs> the Dawn, uh, which we do events all over the country. Some of those are large events that we host. Some of them are hosted by our network that we have of, of folks all over the country, and Priscilla, who you guys got to hear from, is one of our key regional leaders up in that region for Wake in the Dawn. And most most of our Wake in the Dawn gatherings are intense, although they don't have to be. But most of them are, are outdoor worship, prayer, outreach, evangelism kind of kind of gatherings. And so I'm connected to the network with Wake in the Dawn right now, serving God's doing amazing things all over America. Uh, it's really encouraging. And especially stirring up Gen Z and young people to to worship in in a really fresh way. There's just a hunger there that's really beautiful. And so anyway, that that's some of what I'm up to. Been doing some podcasting over the years. Wrote a book a couple of years ago, which I think you guys got a copy of, which is awesome. I did just want to let you know before I dive in, um, I have a website, PresencePioneer.com, and so I'd love to have you uh join my email list presencepioneer.com. uh there's also some links i mean you can look at my book i've got the stuff in there too somewhere um but if you join my email list there's some free free downloads you get one of those is like a spontaneous prophetic worship guide one of them is sort of a in- tabernacle of david intro one of them is a book on house of prayer but anyway if you want to stay connected with me, that's probably the, the email list. I send out a monthly newsletter with content and testimonies and whatever resources, that kind of thing. So, all right. Well, I'll leave that in terms of intro. Let me just pray for a minute and we'll dive in. Lord, we love you, Jesus. Thank you for uh, this team, uh, this crew that's gathered in Columbus, Lord, that they've just been seeking your heart and pursuing you over the last few days, wanting to know your presence, wanting to minister to you and worship you with with excellence, with passion, with heart towards you and to to really steward the gifts they've been given. <laughs> Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. Would you come and I know you're already you're already here, you're already there, but manifest yourself in the midst of this time, over this next 45 minutes to an hour, or that you would just speak to us, that you would lead us and guide us into truth and show us more about who you are, what's really burning in your heart, show us more about who we are, and who we're made to be, and that we could come come more fully into all your purposes for our lives, our identity in you, and, and true worship that you really desire for us. Give us grace, and help us today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome, well, uh, I felt like as I was uh, praying about this time together, I felt like God said uh, to remind you guys that you are priest. And so I want to just teach today really about ministry to the Lord, which is an aspect of being priest to God. And um, and so that, that's what we're going to dive into. I hope you have your Bible. I hope, hope Bible's okay. I, I'm really a teacher at heart and uh, I want to get into the scripture, but my, my, My desire today, my hope today is that you guys as worshipers, worship leaders, singers, musicians, my heart today would be that you guys would feel the gravity of what you're called to as worshipers and as leaders in worshiping the Lord and helping other people worship the Lord. Uh, It's not a small thing that we've been called to do. And that's for all believers to worship him is a huge honor. But really, all and especially to, to lead others in that is uh, is profound and it's deeply connected to who we're made to be from the very beginning. God's eternal purposes for us. And so, I hope to lay out some things to you today, biblically, where you go, oh my goodness, this is significant. What we're what we're doing and what we're called to do is is profound. Um, so I have three. Three main points, and I'm going to take some time on each of those, and I think at the end we will uh, have an opportunity for Q&A if anybody has questions, that kind of thing. Uh, along, along my ministry journey in 2009, we were hosting worship nights. We were doing these events called Burns, these like 24-hour, 12-hour non-stop worship and prayer weekends. And we were dreaming about a place, citywide place in our town here, where we could have worship and prayer. People could come together as a, we could have a prayer room, really, uh, a worship-based prayer room. We were just dreaming about this. And um, and one day, uh, I'll keep the story short. One day, basically, God spoke to a dentist. He claims in an audible voice. I don't know how you guys feel about that. He claims in an audible voice uh, to rent a space for us in downtown Greenville here, down near East Carolina University campus, mm-hmm. And the, the word God gave him was, this was a place I want my glory to dwell. And then God said to, to rent it for us, for our ministry. So we got this building dropped in our lap. <laughs> and uh, and kind of like, what are we going to do with it? You know. And so we wanted to see it be a place for worship and prayer. And so my wife and I, um, she was pregnant with our first child at the time. And we took some time to fix up the building, and get in there. Uh, and then sometime in the fall of that year, close to when our first child was born, uh, we just started daily worship and prayer sessions in the room and just opened it up every morning, 10 a.m. and just invited people to come if they wanted to come and pray, come and worship, come and read their Bibles, come for a little bit, come for the whole time or whatever. And for much many of those sessions at first, it was literally me up front, with my guitar, empty room, my wife sitting in the back, nursing our newborn, <laughs> and me just singing my heart out to God for an hour, hour and a half. I think they were an hour and a half, actually. And people kind of trickle in and out. We, we tried to spread the word, but uh, what God began to cultivate in my heart in that season was, uh, you know, I'd led worship at campus ministries at youth groups at Conferences, different things like that over the year, Sunday mornings. Um, but what God began to cultivate in my heart during that time was what it means to minister to Him and how I could worship Him when no one else is even in the room and I could touch His heart and I could move His heart. And it broke off so many things off of me that were worried about, you know, everybody else, crowds. Reaction, and I, I, I learned to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I learned to um, seek my reward from the Father, and to really value how He felt about my worship, not how other people reacted to what I was doing, what I was singing, what I was playing, etc. And so God began to teach me what it meant to minister to the Lord, and and That's what I want to talk to you guys about, this idea of ministering uh, to the Lord, which for some people is a weird phrase. It's uh, a, for some people, it's an uncommon phrase. Uh, The idea of ministering to God, how do you do that? That seems almost uh, sacrilegious to be able to say that we can minister to God uh, to some people. But I want to dive into what exactly that means. But first of all, I just want to establish the reality. And this is my first point, if you want to write, write down my three main points here. Number one is we are called to minister to the Lord as priest. We are called to minister to the Lord as priest. Uh, Bible teacher Kirk Bennett says this, ministering to God is the single most significant purpose for God's people. Hold on, I got it. There we go. (laughs) We are made to enjoy God by allowing him to enjoy us. God has always had a priestly people whose first duty and hopefully delight is to minister to him. All right, we are called to minister to the Lord as priest. So we're going to do big picture first, okay? So we're going to go all the way to the beginning of the Bible, and then we're going to go all the way to the end, and then we're going to fill in the gaps. You guys good? Can you, like, give me a little nod so I can see? Okay, there you go. Awesome. Good. All right, so we're going to go to the very beginning of the book of Genesis, God's original purpose for humanity. There's this verse, Genesis 2.15. God, God creates the garden, creates Adam, and he puts him in it. And Genesis 2.15 says, the Lord took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it, to tend and to keep it. So that might not seem like much. I don't know what your ideas of the garden of Eden were like. For you, my dad, uh, he grew tomato plants growing up. So for me, a garden seems like tomato plants. That's just what immediately comes to my mind. Uh, some people might think of flowers or whatever, uh, you know. And so you think Adam was put in there to be a gardener. And there's a sense in which that was true. But there's so much more going on in this simple verse where Adam is called to tend and to keep it. Because in the original Hebrew language, those two words uh, carried specific weight and specific significance Uh, to those people so it was Moses that was writing the book of Genesis and in Moses's day they had the tabernacle right the tent that was moving around uh, getting you know moving towards the promised land for 40 years and and this tabernacle was set up with the priest and the Levites who would take care of this tabernacle uh, where God's glory rested among his people and those, those words there, to tend and to keep, were the two words that, that were used all throughout Scripture to describe the Levites, the priests, tending and keeping the tabernacle. Isn't that cool? So when the Hebrew people read or heard, they wouldn't have read it, when they heard Genesis 2.15, that Adam was put in the garden to tend and to keep it, they would immediately think tabernacle. That would immediately be where their minds go. They go, oh, Adam was put in the garden because the garden was like the tabernacle. And he was to tend and to keep it just as the Levites and the priests are to tend and to keep the tabernacle, the place of worship. And actually that that word tend actually has the connotation of worship and ministering and serving. And so you could almost read it as, as Adam was put in the garden to minister. To serve and to keep, or to guard, the garden, and so there's a couple different ways those words are translated. Uh, there's some theologians who are a lot smarter than me who have dug real deep into this. Um, guy named G.K. Beale is one of them for anybody who who likes to nerd out on those things. But uh, the significance of this is huge. So here, here's the here's the idea: Adam was put into the garden. The garden was to be a tabernacle of the presence and glory of God. Adam's calling and role was to serve God. In other words, to worship, to minister to him, and then to keep the tabernacle as a place of God's glory and presence and keep it holy and keep out anything that would, would, uh, you know, uh, infiltrate uh, this, this sacred place uh, for God's glory and his presence. And then, so this is crazy. We don't think of the garden as a place of worship, right? We But the, the garden was a tabernacle. The garden was a temple. Uh, it was a place where God was to be worshiped and his presence, his glory was to be stewarded. And he invited, created mankind to be a part of that with him, which is wild. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. So what's he saying? He's saying, I want to take what's in the garden, this place of my presence, this intimacy I have with you this glory, this this priestly ministry, and I want to expand it to the ends of the earth. This is what, this is the charge. This is the mandate that was given to Adam and Eve from the very beginning was minister to me, worship me, and number two, expand that worship all over the whole earth. (laughs) I mean, that's really what their command was. Steward the earth as a tabernacle. Let this little garden become what the earth is filled with that the the earth would be filled with the glory of the lord as the waters cover the sea and that and that so cool isn't that an amazing vision that's so much more than what we think of is oh be fruitful and multiply means have babies which it does <laughs> and tend the garden means oh we'll take care of the plants which it did but it was more than take care of the plants it was minister to the lord worship god and then steward that place as a place that is holy to God, and then expand that all over the earth. Have kids who will be worshipers, be priests, and that they will also help sort of ex- expand the borders of this of this tabernacle to to the ends of the earth. So I know this is like really macro level kind of like big picture uh, kind, of, kind of stuff, but what it should do to us is it should – Help us to realize that worship is a really, really big deal. This is like at the very heart of why we exist as people, as, as humanity. Why we are on the earth is to worship, is to minister to the Lord. So Adam was a priest. Adam and Eve were put on in the garden to be priests and kings, to be a royal priesthood, to be those that uh, worship and to be those that take care of of the earth and, uh, to expand Eden, uh, all, all over the nations. And of course they didn't do that. Right. (laughs) They sinned fall happened. They were kicked out of the garden, but now what's happening is Jesus through Jesus, God is restoring what's been lost, uh, from the beginning. And by, by the time we get to the end of the story, uh, Jesus is going to do what Adam did not do, right? The second Adam will do what the first Adam didn't do. He's going to allow the earth to be filled with the glory of God, which is amazing. So we are called to be priests. This is our original purpose in God is we're called to be priests to God, a royal priesthood, those that minister to the Lord and steward his presence. And that's what you guys are called to do. That's what you're made to do is to minister to the Lord, steward his presence in all that you do, and then to see that presence expand to the ends of the earth. All right, I need to I need to move a little faster here, or we're going to just be on this point the whole time, which is a great point. Um, all right, so you guys, if you, when you think about priests, you probably go to the that Old Testament tabernacle. You know, during Moses's day, most people who are you know Bible church Christian people, that's what they think of. They think priests. They think, oh yeah, the Old Testament priest and Levites. Um, in, in that day you know, it was the tribe of Levi that was set aside to, to take care of the tabernacle. Only on, only that family could be a part of it. So God, you know, sees what happens with Adam and he sets aside one family, the, the Hebrew people, but then specifically the Levites and then even more specifically, the sons of Aaron were the high priest, or the priest who could go into the Holy of Holies. Uh, and the only way you could be a part of that priesthood and, and sort of be back in the new Eden, you know, that that tabernacle in, in their day uh, was to be a part of the family. So if you weren't one of the sons of Levi, if you weren't one of the sons of Aaron, uh, you could not be restored back uh, in, into that priestly role. You could sort of be a part of the community. Um, but Jesus, now we're in a new covenant, right? Which is good news. <laughs> Jesus is now, brought us into the family and established a new family line, a new lineage. And now we can be in that uh, lineage of priest and come into the presence of God again and worship him and minister to him. I want to throw out a couple passages here from the book of Hebrews. And uh, I don't have time to dive into these, but the book of Hebrews is amazing in terms of understanding our priesthood, understanding worship uh, in in the new covenant. Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16. To sing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So you're talking about coming into the presence of God. This is how we do it. Jesus has made the way for us to come. He is the high priest. He's the new Aaron. He has torn, torn the veil. He has entered into the heavenly throne room, into the place of the presence of the father. And now we can come into the presence of God because Jesus has made a way for us. And he's restored us back. That original purpose that God had for us that God had for Adam, that God had for Eden. And so now we can come. Uh, we don't have to be a part of the tribe of Levi <laughs> in order to be a priest to God. We have to be in Christ and then we can come into the presence of God and approach God's throne with boldness, uh, not, in our, not confidence in ourselves, but confidence in Christ. That we can come boldly to the throne, boldly into the presence of God as priest before him. With pure water, so we can enter boldly, covered in the blood of Jesus, uh, into the presence of God as priests for Him. We can do what we were originally called to do. Uh, so, and we do this as sons and daughters of God. Um, Jesus is a son, and He's a and He's our high priest. The Levites could be priests because they were part of the family that was dedicated to do that, and now we can be part of the family. So um, our, our identity in God is as sons and daughters, but our function in the kingdom of God is as priest. That's a good one.
1: <laughs> our
0: identity in God's kingdom is sons and daughters, but our function as sons and daughters is to be priest. That's what we're called to do. That's what sons do in the kingdom of God. That's what sons and daughters do. I say I don't mean anything with gender. If I just say sons, know that I mean sons and daughters. But that our calling is uh, our function, excuse me, in the kingdom of God is to be priests. That's just what we did um, as as his sons and daughters. All right. I'm laying some foundations here. So stay with me. (laughs) hope I'm not going too fast or uh, or getting too in the weeds here, but I'm trying to just lay some groundwork here. Help us understand our calling. Again, this is still sort of under the first first point that we're called to minister to the Lord as priests. So not only is were we made to do it in the garden from the very beginning, but Jesus is restoring that now. He's restoring us back to himself so that we can worship again, so that we can come into his presence, so that we can be the royal priesthood that we were originally designed to be. And not only is it our original purpose, but it's our eternal purpose. So there's a few verses in the book of Revelation that describe That at the end of all things, when Jesus wraps all this stuff up, what we're going to be doing forever. Revelation 5, 9 through 10 is one of them. It says, they sang a new song saying you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests. There it is, for a kingdom of priests. Kings and priests, a kingdom of priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. This will be our eternal occupation. So we need to understand as believers, and especially as those involved in worship communities, we need to understand what it means to be a priest, what it means to be a royal priesthood. This is who we were made to be, And in Christ, we're being restored to that. And this is what we're going to be doing forever. Uh, For ages and ages and ages, we're going to be priests. We're going to be kings, uh, ruling and reigning on the earth, doing the thing that Adam was originally supposed to be doing, enjoying the Lord, ministering to him, worshiping him, loving him, being loved by him, and then stewarding the earth as a place of His glory forever and ever. That's awesome. (laughs) Hey, guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024, with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit Media. Dot presence presencepioneers.org to sign up today. That's cool. So the verse that's probably come to mind already for a few of you is, is 1 Peter 2. So this is just clarified really in the New Testament. 1 Peter 2, verses 5 and verse 9. Because verse five says you yourselves are living stones being built up a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices. I'm going to come back to that spirit, the idea of spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In verse nine, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God's desire has always been that we would be with him in voluntary love, worshiping before him, enjoying him and in partnership with him forever. This is our calling as priests and kings, as a royal priesthood. This is who we are. So uh, I want to just quickly define sort of my understanding of what it means to be a priest, what it means to be a king. then I really want to to just lean into the priestly part of it. As priest, we minister to God, worshiping, praying, serving him with all of our hearts and lives. We enjoy him, fellowship, and interact with him in loving, intimate relationship while offering him spiritual sacrifices of praise and partnering with him in intercession. It's a lot. As kings, we steward the earth with God. Working with him to keep creation in right order. It is our job to keep the sanctuary of the earth as a holy place of worship, that God would have a resting place where his will is always done. Matthew 6, 10, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So these two roles, being the idea of being a priest and a king, they're not separate, okay? So you, you cannot separate them, even though I've defined them as two different things. They're they're two sides of the same coin. They're intertwined realities that flow from a place of intimacy with God. So you can't have one without the other. If if you're ministering to the Lord and worshiping, there's going to be an overflow that impacts the earth. It's it's just going to happen. If you're in the presence of God, uh, that's going to ripple out, out out into the world around you, into your life, into your workplace, into your city. That's going to happen. And you cannot impact your workplace, your city, your family, et cetera, Without having first been with Jesus, if you have not worshiped him, you have not been in his presence, then um, you cannot bear fruit in the world and uh, advance his kingdom. So those two those two realities go together. And I I just want to zero in on the, the priestly aspect of it and the idea of, of ministering to the Lord. All right. So that was that was all point one. And I know I went really, really into that. <laughs> Uh, but I want to hit these last two points. So that was point number one. We're called to minister to the Lord as priest. Point number two here, we minister to the Lord by offering spiritual sacrifices. You know, in the in the Protestant Reformation, when Martin Luther, you know, nailed the 95 Theses all that, they had this idea of the priesthood of believers. Uh, and so Martin Luther kind of brought back this idea that every Christian can come to God directly through Jesus. We don't, you know, that he was pushing back against Roman Catholicism and and sort of this idea that you had to go through a human priest to get to God, but that you could go directly to God through Jesus. And so that was, that was well and good, but I sometimes wonder if we go, oh yeah, we, we can come into the presence of God, but I sometimes wonder, do we know what to do when we get there? (laughs) You know, like, okay, the, the door's open. Great. You know, we can go right through the door. But then, like, once we go through the door, what do we do? You know, and that's where priestly ministry comes in. Um, pre- the priesthood is about access to God, but it's not just about access to God. It's about responsibility. There's a responsibility we have as priests. Um, and, and that responsibility is ministering to the Lord. Um, and So, let I me mean, let me tackle this phrase now, ministry to the Lord. I don't know. I don't know you guys. So I'm not sure if this is a weird phrase to you guys or not. But most people, they go, huh? Ministry to the Lord. God doesn't need ministry. He doesn't need to hear the gospel. He doesn't need prayer. He doesn't need healing. He doesn't need to be helped or encouraged. Right. Uh, he doesn't need anyone to give him a Bible teaching. Um, so the Lord doesn't need ministry in that sense. Right. He's perfect. I just want to be clear. God needs nothing. He is perfectly perfect in himself and and does not need us uh but he wants us he loves us he desires us he wants uh our hearts he he wants our love he wants our worship and so our ministry to him is our worship it's our love it's not something that he needs but it is something that he wants and it's something that he loves so uh that 1 Peter two verse I read a minute ago, 1 Peter two five. What do priests do? They offer spiritual sacrifices to God. That's what the that's what the priesthood does. They offer in the, in the new covenant as Christians. Thank God we don't have to offer animal sacrifices and burnt offerings and slaughter the animals and and all that kind of stuff. Our sacrifices to the Lord are spiritual. And I want to say clearly. Our, our sacrifice of worship doesn't earn us anything. We're not trying to get something from God. We're, we are responding to who he is and we're responding to what he's done. Okay. So he gives us love and we love him back, right? We only love because he loved us first. He gives his life for us. We give our lives to him. And so we're reciprocating love. Uh, but we're not earning something. So, so it's important we know that when you talk about sacrifice, we're not, we're not trying to, to earn something from God. We're simply responding to who he is, being who we're called to be as worshipers and as priests before him. So what kind, What are those spiritual sacrifices that we can offer to God? I'm going to give you four. These would be probably good to write down if you want. Four, four spiritual sacrifices that, that we can offer to the Lord as priests. Number one, our lives. Our lives as living sacrifices. Romans 12.1 says, therefore, a view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice to the to the Lord, holy and pleasing to him. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but this is your spiritual act of worship, Romans 12.1. That that our worship is our lives laid down before him. So our first spiritual sacrifice is we give him everything. It's not just a song. It's not just a church service. It's everything. We are surrendered fully to him. Uh, Number two, our hearts. Psalm 51, 17, uh, David says that the sacrifices God desires are broken and a contrite heart. Those he will not despise. So we give him our hearts. God is ministered to as we give him our hearts, as we offer our hearts and our love to him. Number three, we offer God a sacrifice of praise. Praise be the third one. Uh, Hebrews 13, 15. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Hebrews 13, 15. We offer a sacrifice of praise. Uh, Number four uh, is prayer. Prayer. So that verse I read earlier in Revelation five eight, it describes uh, incense in heaven. Or I didn't read I didn't read verse eight. I read some different verses in Revelation five. But Revelation five eight describes prayer as incense in bowls in heaven. That incense it, it points back to the incense that would burn in the tabernacle. The priest would keep the incense on the altar. The fire on the altar would keep burning. Day and night, actually, it would, they they keep the altar going constantly, and they would offer this incense to the Lord, and that points to the prayers of our hearts that and the that our hearts would burn and stay connected to Him constantly. So, priests offer sacrifice, spiritual sacrifices to the Lord, and as you can see, these are, you know, spiritual offerings: our hearts, our lives, our love, our praise, our worship, our prayers, our devotion to the Lord. Uh, this is what we offer to God as priest. And, uh, as we bring these things to the Lord, as you minister to him, I want you to know that God receives it as ministry (laughs) to his heart. And I don't totally understand how this works because God doesn't change. He doesn't need anything, but something about our worship touches his heart. It just really does. Uh, And I encourage you as worshipers, use your sanctified imagination and envision God before you as you sing, as you pray, as you play. Got Jesus before you and learn to minister, sing, play, pray straight to his heart, straight to him uh, as ministry to him. and Take note of how he responds. (laughs) be sensitive be sensitive to what happens what do you what do you feel do you feel his delight do you feel his joy you'll be you'll begin as you as you grow more and more and you, many of you i'm sure already understand this but as we learn to minister to the lord we can become sensitive uh to what moves his heart what oh wow god you i felt your presence all of a sudden in a strong way when i when i played that chord or i sang that song or i or I, I did you know said this phrase to you what happened and um and god is receiving that worship and that prayer it's like a pleasing aroma to him that's you know that was the kind of the language they used when they would offer the burnt offerings to god that it would be a pleasing aroma to the lord and um I, actually i came across these verses the other day i put put them here in my notes just because i was thinking about this psalm 69 verse 30 and 31, it just says, I'll praise the name of God with a song. I'll magnify him with thanksgiving. This shall please the Lord. And that little phrase just stuck out to me that this please the Lord, like, like God's just happy about our worship, (laughs) you know, like he just likes it. He just wants it. He enjoys us. He enjoys our hearts. He enjoys our presence with him and uh you know zephaniah 317 talks about how god rejoices over us with singing like he dances and He smiles and he delights if you like if if we approach god we need to see him smiling (laughs) like that's his posture like when, when we as his sons and daughters come to him he is delighting he is smiling um our 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 songs the song of our heart not you know what i mean like he, he appreciates when we try to sound good and sing good and worship good and that kind of thing. But really what he wants is the song of our hearts. Like he wants our love and that really touches him. Uh, there's this verse song of Solomon four, nine, you know, this is sort of the, this picture of the bride and the bridegroom, Jesus and the church. And it's the bridegroom speaking to the bride it says you've ravished my heart my sister, my spouse—you ravished my heart with one look of your eyes. Like this idea that we could ravish the heart of Jesus. What even? Is, like what even is that? Uh, but this is what happens when we worship. We can minister to His heart. We can touch Him. We can ravish His heart. Where's Where's Bride? And um, and so this this is what we're called to do, uh, and this is. What we're made to do is to minister to him and he receives it as a sweet offering. So take the last few minutes here. Point number three. Ministry to the Lord must be prioritized. So we're called to minister to the Lord as priest, number one. We minister to the Lord by offering spiritual sacrifices that the Lord loves and receives. Number three, ministry to the Lord must be prioritized. And in light of what I shared earlier, this is probably not surprising. (laughs) This is what we were made to do in the garden. This is what Jesus died for to restore us to God, to be priests and kings to him. And if this is what we're gonna be doing for all eternity, priests and kings reigning with God on the earth, then it's not surprising that in the here and now that this is, this should be top priority, our ministering uh, to the Lord. And my experience is that just about everything in life pulls us away from this, <laughs> including church ministry life, leadership life, family. I mean, nobody... Nobody's trying to be malicious here, but it's just just the nature of life, right? And, and the busyness of the world around us. You know, if if it's not, you know, family and kids, it's school and job, or it's the the pipe under the sink is leaking, or it's like my car broke down, or it's there's a crisis at church, or there's like there's a million things, right? Even the and honestly i would say especially those of us in full time ministry it's easy to think you have a relationship with god when you're doing so many things for god you know and so much of what you're doing is god oriented and about jesus and you know that that kind of thing but it's very easy to to subtly slip away from ministering to god as your as your first ministry and being in his presence loving him enjoying him just worshiping him for no reason other than to do it just because you love him because he loves you because he's worthy of it. And I've, in, in my, my experience, everything inside of me and outside of me wars against this other than the Holy spirit (laughs) who is, who is beckoning me and drawing me, Hey, come away, come away with me, Um, pull pull aside. And so what that means is, is you have to be intentional about making sure that ministry to the Lord, both individually and corporately is number one priority. And so, you know, this is, of course, our secret place that Jesus talked about, right? When you pray, go to the secret place and your father will reward you openly, Matthew six. So this is that, that ministering to the God, that secret place with him and the, and getting free of what anyone else thinks and and experiencing the reward of the father's delight in the secret place and then you can freely minister to others you can freely lead others and if people like it that's great that's fun right <laughs> if people don't like it that's also okay because cuz god is still smiling and delighting over us and 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 we've we've touched him and so it reorients our, our aim a little bit and, and our focus uh, from what do people think, are people responding, that kind of thing, uh, to to first and foremost, what does God think? How is he responding to what I'm doing? And that starts in the secret place with us individually, but it affects our, our ministry, it affects church, it affects corporate worship environments, and um, and you know, I'll just say the, the secret, uh, the secret place, the oil that of intimacy, um, you can tell when somebody is on a platform, if they've been burning in private or not, you can tell that versus, oh, they're, they've got a great gift. They're anointed that, that kind of thing. There's something, especially with worship leaders, Mm -hmm. uh, is it, there's an, there's an anointing that comes with a gift that God gives you, but then there's an authority that comes when you've been with Jesus and that authority uh, is powerful. Um, and, and that only comes uh, from ministry to the Lord. You know, Jesus said, first and greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So that priority of ministry to the Lord, I could go through three or four other examples if if we had time today. Right. Mary and Martha. Right. Martha, you're you're busy with many things, but Mary has has chosen the better part. I haven't even gotten into King David, you know, which is what I what I'm really passionate about. Um, You guys can read about that in the book. Uh, But King David's priority of the presence of God, both in his personal life and in the way that he stewarded his leadership over the nation of Israel, bringing the presence of God right in uh, to the middle of what was happening in Jerusalem and, and establishing that worship as the first place. And then everything else flowed out of that. Everything put, because all the other things are important, right? All the, all the other ministries, all the other responsibilities, that stuff's real. That stuff matters. That stuff's important. Uh, and and actually part of why we want to minister to the Lord first is because all that stuff's important. Uh, And, and so uh, I've heard Mike Bickle say, and I think he got it from somebody else who probably got from somebody else, but he said there's lovers and workers and the lovers get more work done than the workers. Uh, The lovers get more work done than the workers. So uh, when we, when we minister to the Lord first and then out of the overflow of that love for him, we minister, we go, we do our assignments. Uh, we handle our responsibilities. Um, our lives will be will be much more fruitful and powerful. So that's, that's last point. Ministry to the Lord must be prioritized. So those are my, those are my three points ministering to the Lord. I, I hope that, uh, I hope that, um, you guys feel the weight and the gravity again of, what we're called to be and what we're called to do as worshipers um, the identity we have the, the calling we have uh, as him it's it's a huge deal <laughs> it's really important and um and and i hope that uh, as you prioritize his presence um that you'll feel the freedom uh, feel the joy and uh, and and experience the fruitfulness um that come that comes out of that so yeah, let me, uh, I'm going to say another prayer, and I, I think we are going to open up for Q&A. If anybody has uh, questions, that kind of thing. Lord, I just pray, God, for this, this crew here, and I pray, Father, for uh, a, a sensitivity to that drawing away of your Holy Spirit, that drawing away, that wooing of, um, of your Spirit to come away with you, to minister to you, to experience the joy of, and the pleasures that are in your presence, because in your presence there's fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. God, I pray that that this team would feel that yearning, feel that drawing, feel that love, experience that delight. God, I pray that that as they as they worship, as they sing, as they pray, they play, God, I pray that they would see your smile. They would learn to play right to you, to sing right to you, not as if you're off somewhere in another galaxy, but God, that you are with us and that we can touch your heart, that we can ravish your heart. And I pray you would uh, cause us to be the royal priesthood and the kingdom of priests that you've made us to be. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your word, God. In Jesus' name, amen.